welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Dan Rice III, a game designer from Phoenix, Arizona. Dan is a native of Detroit, but has spent the last several decades in the desert. His new title, Trailblazer, the John Muir Trail, is currently on Kickstarter. Dan, welcome to The Binge, my friend. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, James. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is great to have you on the podcast. Congrats on this game. Yeah, Thank I mean, you. over 200000 on a $20,000 pledge, 10 times your goal. You must great. be absolutely stoked uh, to have that kind of success on your first game. Very excited. Um, we weren't sure we were going to ever reach that point, but then we started getting little feelings like we might have something on our hands. Yeah. Kept tweaking it a little bit and reaching out to other people and kept test playing and demoing. And it just, it, we kind of started believing in it that it might be pretty strong. But yeah, what's even more exciting is everything that's happening behind the scenes, behind those numbers. <laughs> now the real work begins, is what they say, yes, right? <laughs> true. It's very true. So you're in Phoenix, and uh, it's kind of at the beginning, I was talking about your Detroit native, and then I mean, you moved to Phoenix of all places. What got you to move to Phoenix? Well, when did you well, I was happen? I was still a little boy and my dad was a policeman in Detroit and he kind of oh, saw what was coming there and wanted nicer pastures for his career. So we ended up in Arizona. Oh, wow. And uh, so you've been there several decades. Um, you know, when I see a game about hiking and, and things like that, Usually the person you're talking to is an outdoors person. Is this, is right. the outdoors a, a strong part of your life or? Yes, uh, most definitely. I actually lived in Yosemite Valley back oh, wow. in the eighties for a little bit. And my daughter was a ranger for a couple of years there. And we've hiked several portions of the John Muir trail, but it's always been a goal to hike the whole trail. Now, have you ever hiked the whole trail or? No, that's still a goal. Yeah. Cause it goes still across, I think like three state parks it, or something, right? It does. Well, national parks. It runs parks, from yeah. Yosemite to the top of Mount Whitney in Sequoia National Park through Kings and a couple of wilderness areas. On the oh, wow. How That's long good. would it take somebody if they would like for people who don't know? Right. And I didn't know Real much about question. this. So I actually go through this a little bit when I'm teaching a game. So the, the trail is 215 miles long. <laughs> if you start in Yosemite, you're at about 4,200 feet. Top of Mount Whitney is about 14.5. Wow. But between the up and down with all the passes, the elevation gain is 43,000 feet. Holy smokes. So if so, you're going to start on one end, like, is that like a month or like how long would it take somebody to do that? It uh, all depends on the person. So 20 days at 10 or 11 miles a day is a long time. But the record for 215 miles is two days and 19 hours. Come on. Three miles per hour. So that person's basically just running nonstop. They're, they're trying to break a record essentially at that point, right? Pretty much. They pretty much had to do it during a full moon because of the danger, you know, of seeing the trail and all over those passes. Yeah. Is it, is it a fairly safe trail in general to hike or like yes. you're obviously yeah, running into a lot of wildlife and so forth, right? But there's not a lot of wildlife in okay. this year, like compared to other places. Um, you're still going to run into it. There's still bare possibilities to take your food but not so many encounters that are dangerous. It's mostly personal things like twisting your ankle, blistering, things like that. 
finding water in time, <laughs> dealing with the elements. A lot of times it's uh, the passes like this time of year. If you're hiking now, you're dealing with snow and yeah. the passes. So. And that can get quite dangerous too, right? Like I did some hiking uh, yeah. out Western uh, Canada here. And that was one thing they're saying. They're saying be yeah. very careful on any yeah. snow covered because you could fall down a crevice that you don't even know is there, right? Yeah, that's different. There's not really crevices here. It's no? just real slick and could be icy and it's steep. Everything in the Sierras is just up or down. There's almost no flat. Now, this is your first title. Um, yes. And, and you, I mean, you're, you're either retired or close to retirement age. Um, what made you approach this uh, at this point in your life? Has board games been part of something you've been passionate about your entire life or is this more I, recent or? I grew up playing board games. I can still remember the little card tables that we used to have back in the sixties yeah. and the round ones. Having a, ours was a little square thing. Okay. Yeah. We do puzzles <laughs> on it and all, but we played Candyland and Monopoly, just enough room to put Monopoly on it. Oh boy. Okay, that. That's small. Yeah. But I played that endlessly. And when I was a little boy, I wanted to go to West point. I thought at that point, so my parents got me that and it actually has a little engine builder board, little player board in that game from 1960. And we wore it out. It fell yeah. apart. We played it so much, but I've been playing games and sports my whole life, but kind of had a hiatus because there wasn't anything more. And then one of my daughters uh, was all excited and she never liked games when we were, when she was a kid and she uh, told me all about ticket to ride. Yeah. And that was a blast. We couldn't stop playing it. And then it was Catan. And then it just kind of evolved. And then my wife, uh, knowing how much I love the national parks, we both do, and board gaming, got me trekking the national parks. And we played that about six years ago to the month. And we played it a couple of times and it just inspired me. I thought, you know, I think I can do this. And yeah. I remember reading a long time ago that if you were going to write a book or do anything like that, you should choose something that you're familiar with, that you know about. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a board game. I'm going to use the same theory. Love the Sierras, know about it. That's what we're going to do. So it's been about six years. That's, I, I think when you, you look at this industry and, and, you know, and I'm sure this is something that happens to a lot of people that when they're playing board games, they look at a game and they think I could have made this. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, but there's a step between oh. I could I could have made this to I yes. should go and make something like this right yes. Yes. and I for me I think it's 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 just putting that foot forward to make taking that step right right and that's right. the hardest part to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try something here and it doesn't have to be even publishing but even just to try to create something um, mm. that you can even play yourself or play family right. uh, you can you know if you want to look somewhat professionally you can do it through print and play or the gamecrafter.com those are two great sites allow you to do a polished kind of prototypes so you have something in your own collection you don't have to publish but if you have an interest you should still take that step right and, yes, and, and give it a absolutely. shot you got nothing to lose other than maybe some learning along the way right you're gonna learn a lot you know that oh, there's yeah. so much to learn and there's so much to learn about yourself and how you receive criticism and opinions and comments there's so many things along the way so many upsetting things but i learned to to digest them and take yeah. them to heart and deal with it and if i hadn't that wouldn't be the game that it is i listen to a lot of people and and, and that's sometimes tough for people too right if, because not everybody loves 
I hate these word criticism, but you yeah, know, it's not exactly criticism. So, but it's yeah, not it's, though, right? It's it, it's feedback, yeah. right? There is yes. some criticism out feedback. there to run into, sure. But I mean, just yeah, feedback. <laughs> and I take it from the approach that if I can find somebody that's played way more games than I've ever played and right. all different types of game styles and so forth, exactly, they're going to be more informed in being able to articulate back to me why they think a certain thing is not working or exactly. why it should change. I got one buddy like that where, yeah you know, our latest prototype we're, we're playing and he's like, you know, this reminds me of, and he, he listed off six games I never even heard of. <laughs> and wow. he goes, you know, this piece here is kind of like that game. And this piece is kind of like that game. And I can see what you did here. And you might want to change this. And this other game approaches that in this way, it was all great advice. We went back, we made a bunch of changes. Mm-hmm. And the last time we played it, we we're like, wow, this is a way better game than it was prior yeah. to getting that advice. Yeah. When you created your first version of this game, um, <laughs> was it, Pen and paper, like how did you how did you create your prototype? Well, I had the idea. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew there had to be movement. I knew people yeah. had to move on the trail, and and I wanted to, to incorporate the things that are on there, the natural elements. So we have water, earth, wind, and fire, which is what basically form the Sierras or just about anywhere. Yeah. And then the, the other fun thing, the things you have to deal with, you have to come up with food and water every day. You got to find water. You got to make it happen. And then there's the sites. The destinations that Andrew Bosley did all the custom illustrations for 48 and he's doing eight more right now. Wow. Uh, one of the stretch goals. And, and then there's the field guide cards, which a former ranger from Yosemite and Sequoia, she's a naturalist and botanist. She did all the field guide cards. So that's why they have a little different look yeah. than Andrew's because it, it's meant to look like a field guide. But before you had them illustrate though, what, what did you use as a state? You must have something as a stand-in like we're using I hand drew everything because wow. I don't have any graphic skills. So yeah. I hand drew everything, every single piece, cut it out, round cornered it, everything. And then my wife has a, has some graphic skills. So I gave her an idea and we cut and pasted and downloaded pictures and everything yep. as guides. And we did it step-by-step. Step. This is this iteration here is probably number seven. Wow. So when you had that first, again, non-polished version, mm-hmm. but something where you kind of hand drew it and your wife did The very design, first one? Or even say the first couple. <laughs> yeah, okay. How, did you take them out and start playtesting with people in that state or did you no, do? No, just my wife and I for the first few months, probably, because I, I set this aside a lot of times because I didn't know where I was going with it or what to do sometimes. And I just set it aside. Mm-hmm. And uh, it changed fast. We learned fast. But the biggest thing that happened to me was about three, a little over three years ago, I went to the Arizona Game Fair and it really opened my eyes. That was the first time oh, I'd man. been to any kind of convention. And I'm, I was listening to people. Lacerda happened to be there that year. So that was neat. That Just listen to him talk about test playing and things. Yep. But I met someone there and I reached out to him. I learned in my old age to reach out to people. That's the only way to find out. So I reached out to this guy, Jason Washburn, uh, Talent Strike Studios. He's had like 10 straight Kickstarter successes yeah, and uh, real solid. And he is, if it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, honestly. He helped me so much with all the nuts and bolts. Like we originally had dice and he told me why you don't use them. Those kind of things. Why Just don't you use dice? It adds to the, the time play for what the way we were going to use it it Mm. adds time and it adds cost so it depends on what you're trying to do like 
dice are part of the game, like in uh, Crystal Palace, or it's an actual function. Um, Creature Comforts, which just came out and uses dice, is just awesome the way they managed to use them. But to just roll, like, that was like old school. I didn't yeah. know any better. So I've spent the last three years, as much as I love games, I haven't been really trying to win games. I've been watching people yeah. play and just seeing what works and how things go together, how you arrive at balance and a smoothness of play. And that's what you're going to see in Trailblazer. It, it became very smooth and very balanced. And it's amazing how many people, I don't know if you've seen it when looking at reviews or anything. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how many people use the word relaxing or calm to play the game. I've never heard that for a game. It's, it's really interesting. And yet it's pretty intense. <laughs> I think back to when I first started gaming a number of years ago, I was very, very competitive, right? Yeah, um, and, right. and mainly probably because I was playing against my siblings and <laughs> siblings yeah. inherently have this kind of, yep. yeah, the, this, uh, this vicious kind of rivalry. But I, ever since I entered kind of the indie board game industry and started mm. attending meetups and so forth, I could care less if I win another game yeah. ever, yeah. ever. Cause for right. me, it's about enjoying the time with the people, right. You know, having laughs, of course you're going to, you're, you're going to you know try to win, but it, for me, it, it's more about the experience and hearing how people are interacting with these games right. and what are the things that are bringing them joy. Cause that's something that as a game designer, you can bring into your own design and say, okay, well that kind of thing worked well there. Right. Or this generated a lot of laughs there and this generated a lot of excitement. And wow, that right. person seemed pretty sour in this particular regard. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we even had this, uh, we, again, the other night we're playing this, this prototype and it was, it's fairly polished, but reaches a position where the person's like, I think I broke the game. He goes, cause I'm so far behind. It seems like it's mm. almost impossible for me to mm. come back. And this is like halfway into the game. And he was right. So what do we do when we left? We said, well, that's a bad experience, right? We don't right. ever want to have right. a game where someone is feeling kind of, and that's my Catan, I call it my Catan experience because I, mm -hmm. I never play Catan anymore because it's one of those games where you get a bad roll of the dice, you get a bad mix of numbers, yeah. you get a bad placement. Yeah. If you're not good at negotiating, yeah. you are cooked and you're cooked for two hours <laughs> sitting right. there watching everyone else have a great right. time. Right. So yeah. I never want to have that kind of experience in any game that I, you know, that I put out. So you want somebody to break your game so you can find these ways to say, okay, that, bro that broke there. How can I fix exactly. that so that yes. their experience is never going to be like that. Right. So right. it's uh, it's kind of cool. Some of the things you can pick up in these, in these play tests. It is. It is. Play testing is where it's at. Yeah. When did you make the call to finally say, you know what, we're, we're going to do this on Kickstarter. We think we got something here. You know, this is a fun game. You know, we've had people try it. We're, we're going to take a run at Kickstarter. When did that decision happen and how long, was that after you actually started the idea of the game? I, well, it was always a possibility. Okay. Because uh, it was there. But I would have preferred if somebody had picked it up. And my buddy, Jason, uh, offered to and then backed out. And at that point, I was committed. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. Because he offered to help me on my own Kickstarter with advice still. And he still is yeah. on the pledge manager side now. But I have a printing background. So I know how to run uh, projects and I'm pretty familiar with how to manage art. I just can't do it myself. Yeah. So I can handle it. I love project management. I like all the details. This yeah. is a little much, but it's fun. <laughs> it's almost like more fun than a board game, but there are so many moving parts and there's something on the line. You can't make, you know, a board game you can walk away from and still have enjoyed it. But here you, 
you can't afford to make mistakes. <laughs> it, is, it, right. it is either something you love or you absolutely hate, yeah. right? For yeah. me, I don't think there's really many degrees in there. I, I personally yeah. like it. Like I like yeah, the whole too. managing the project and saying, right. okay, you know, how, you know, let's put our projections together, work at our costing models. Right. Okay. How much can we afford for art? How much can we afford for distribution? Oh, wow. You know, your distribution rates just went up by tenfold. Okay. How are we going to accommodate for that? What are some safeties we can build in so we don't get caught? Like all those mm. kind of things. For me, I geek out over because I, I like the business side of it. Not everybody likes right. it. Some people are like, mm, right. just let me do the design and someone else can kind right. of take care of that, right? Yeah. Well, I've been an entrepreneur since I was like 21. I had a pizza parlor when I was 21 years old. So I'm okay with whatever. Yeah. So, so you're you're willing to take a little bit of risk. Yeah. So can you walk us through how do you play this game? So what in what's the essence of this game? Can you Can you walk us through that? Well, there's movement on the trail. In yep. fact, you can score, but you can't win if you do not complete the trail. And that was a real change we just made in the last couple of months because people started doing the numbers as they got towards the end. And I can make more points if I don't finish the trail. And it kind of compromised the whole integrity yeah. of, of what it was. So that's the key. Um, but I, saying that, you, it's easy to move. You just take the hardship token if you can't meet the requirements, all the requirements. And there's a way to get rid of those. Either. It's a pretty user-friendly game. So you're moving on the trail. You're going to take actions like collecting field guide cards that you are set collection points at the end of the game. Uh, you can visit different destinations and get instant trail points there. Whoever gets the most trail points is the winner at the end. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. There's a lot of instant trail points through trail cards, which get played every day at the start of the day. And the backpack is the key. So all of these cards, or most all of them, have a little backpacking symbol on the bottom left. And you have 12 spaces in your backpack, and there's 12 items. And anytime you acquire or play a card with that icon in it, if you don't have that item in your backpack, you place it there. So you start filling your pack. It never comes out. And as you move, fill your pack, you trigger different rewards as you move up as well. Once it's in your backpack, and then you acquire a card with, with that item on it. Then you start moving up the elevation chart on the bottom left of the game board. And that's, that's where the magic is at. That's the only way you can get your extra tracks tokens, mm -hmm. which equate to your worker placement. So you start with three, you can get up to five. And it's the only place that you can get uh, arrowheads, which give you end game bonus numbers. So you have to move up that track. So you've there's a balance between filling your backpack and then using the items in your backpack because also whoever does each of those first gets a mini reward along the way as well. So there, there's incentives all over the place, built in layers everywhere. Yeah, when we were off air, we were talking about this. I said, you know, wow, this is a this is a robust game. <laughs> like there's a lot, got, of, a lot of stuff going on, but as you said, it kind of in in as what in uh, John gets games. I mean, I was saying, you yeah. know, I'm obviously a big fan of his. He does amazing work. We had him yeah. on the podcast, and he was as watching his his explainer video, and he goes through every single step. And mm -hmm. what you can quickly start seeing is things like the different things you have to do seem very logical right like yeah it's very intuitive yeah intuitive is the word yeah perfect yes. yeah intuitive yes. very intuitive as as you're doing the different things and you're, okay how am i going to place my mark you know what thing am i going to check out next um and you know as i was watching that I, I was realizing that this is something that people can probably pick up fairly 
fairly quickly. I don't think it's a kind mm-hmm. of game where you have to play one or two or three games before you get it. I think once you go through the first kind of round, you've got a good handle mm-hmm. on exactly how, right. you know, to, to, to perform the actions. Um, when I was going through the page, uh, you guys unlocked a lot of stuff, we right? Did. And, yes. you know, anybody that loves games that have a lot of stuff in them, yeah, this got a lot of stuff. Right. Like everything, even from like your, your, your meeples are, are printed hikers, you know, your, your, your tent meeples, your, you know, the different tokens you have with the weather. It, it just, there's just keeps coming layer after layer after yeah. layer of stuff, which I think yes. is pretty cool. Was there anything in here that you guys, because you did so much better than maybe you originally uh, had targeted that you kind of added mid campaign or like, Oh, like we, we gotta, we gotta throw something else in here or was this all kind of pre-mapped out? Well, I've, I've had the idea for a long time. The, the ideas that did come up, we didn't know if we were going to get there, Yeah, but, but it worked out. We've got uh, Andrew's eight destination cards. I think is going to be the really nice one. Yeah. So, and then uh, we didn't reach 175, but we're going to offer those cards. It's another 20 cards. So the stretch goals especially the funding goal, the black bear and the blue bird is really sweet. It's, it adds an element of fun that's really different than a lot of other games. We've had a blast with it, test playing it. It's, oh, yeah. It takes over the game sometimes. Not the gameplay, but the, everybody wondering where the bear's going to land. It's pretty funny. <laughs> and then the cards, we didn't... I've seen a lot of campaigns where they'll add three cards and six cards, and it and it's every $5,000, you know, yeah. so we stretched out the stretch goals so that each time we did hit one, it was meaty. It was big. Yeah. So it was 20 cards at a pot. So did you do that by, uh, by a card sheet? Was it based on how many cards to fit on a card sheet? So we're going to have to add how many can fit. Yeah. Because like a lot of people don't realize is even to add three extra cards sometimes could be another complete sheet. Right. Honestly, I, I know about that having a printing background. Yeah. But I didn't want to compromise what we're going to do. So, yeah. We just, we're just printing what we're printing. And that's that. But the, like you were pointing out, the box itself was loaded to begin with. Yeah. So, with the stretch goals, it added another 100 cards. Yeah. There's a lot. There's no doubt. There's a lot of stuff in this box. There's I mean, for the, for the, I was actually surprised it was actually yeah. the price was as low as right. it was. Um, yeah. We had it low on purpose. Yeah, it felt a bit underpriced, but I mean, that's the benefit is. of Kickstarter, right? Is you can sometimes get your hands on something, you know, that if it ends up at retail, is going to be a lot more expensive, right? right? Yes. Um, can you can you tell us about the solo version? So you had someone come in and and help you with this. Before you talk about who the individual did that for you, the decision to do solo was that always there from the beginning as well, or is this something that kind of okay, we got the base game now, let's get a proper kind of solo mode made? How did that come about? Well, we've always had the like beat your own score solo, like a yeah. category, which is easy to do in this game, actually. Yeah. And it'll work well for the retail version. But I always wanted, to, I thought it would be kind of tricky to do with this, but we happened to hit upon the right person. And he actually, this young man came to us at Dice Tower and sat down and uh, he started talking and it sounded like he knew about the trail. So I said, well, have you hiked the trail? And he said, yeah, I, he hiked the whole trail. So then we really hit it off and he was enjoying the game. And uh, so I thought, well, I need to find out who this guy is. So I looked down and his uh, name tag said, John Clare. 
And I, I looked up with 50 cent eyes and, and said, are you John D. Clare? And he, he said, yeah. So he ended up inviting us to his house for a game day with over 40 people. Oh, that's cool. And, and we went over and we just kept chatting and I, I threw it at him and he said, well, I'll see what I can do. And he, he kind of had an idea and he'd never done that for someone else. So it's awesome that he's done that. He's, he's hiked the trail. So. Yeah. That kind of helps, you know, not only do you have somebody that has the credentials, right. That yeah. he comes with in terms yeah. of solo game design, but to have intimate knowledge of the subject matter and the theme, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, that's gotta be almost invaluable. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't need that to create the solo mode. Oh, sure. Uh, but he just, he loved the game without even playing it. He could just tell, you know, just by looking at it, it was a good game, but his solo mode is for a beginner intermediate and advanced so there's three difficulty levels as well plus you can take two people and hike against two robo hikers as well okay so it's like is it like an autonomous deck or how, how do you handle that yes yeah okay yeah 24 cards it's it's pretty unique we're going to be posting that in the next week or two we'll have that all up oh that's cool we, we couldn't get it done in time for for the kickstarter is there a tabletop simulator version of this game? That's coming too. That was supposed to be there. There's a lot of stuff. We kind of had a drop dead date to get on Kickstarter, which was yeah. May 10th. And we just had to go. We had to go with it. And it's been in process for two weeks. And I, yeah. I'm, it's out of my control to some degree. Well, clearly that didn't hold you back. But it's good to know because there's a lot of people that like tabletop simulator, give them a chance to play the game. Uh, yes. And certainly if they decide it's something they love, then they come in for a uh, potentially a late pledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so w- now this, you know, you're, you're in your, in your retirement years, you've, you've finally put a game out there, followed your passion. Um, I got to ask, is there, is there more games in your belt? Is there a desire to keep going with game design or is this kind of been like, absolutely. Okay. This is my retirement. Oh, nice. Yep. Retirement as a hobby or retirement as a jobby. Jobby. Yep. <laughs> Um, we've had the expansion idea. We actually played with it for a couple of years and pulled it out because it was, it was too mixed up with what we were trying to do. So, but we're tweaked it and refined it. And now it coming back into the game, it'll be a lot sweeter. Yeah. I was talking so to, um, it was Honeybuzz with Elf Creek Games. And, and he was saying that, um, when he was creating the initial Honeybuzz, all the expansions in versions two was actually part of the initial game and he peeled them out. Right. He's yeah. like, yeah, there's too much stuff like this. This is too yes. much going on, but these are things that if people are into the franchise and really like this game, mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. these could be really awesome kind of add-ons yes. afterwards. Exactly. And so that was his approach. He said, okay, I'm going to put them back in as, as expansions and so forth. So, right. Um, right. so it's kind of cool to see that approach, right? It just goes to show that you can keep creating, keep creating, you know, anybody mm-hmm. creates a game, it's never done right in in your mind there's always more you can do and sometimes you just kind of have to put a stick in the sand say okay there's other yeah. stuff that we're going to add maybe we'll right. we'll bring that for another phase or another yes. kind of uh, expansion or so forth right so well, that will be it for trailblazer is that expansion that'll be yeah. enough on it so we've got another trail game in the works have you been scoping in any other themes outside of the trails is it going to be more nature theme for you do you think or well, i've had i've got two other games yeah. And process that I've just put on the shelf for two years. Oh, that's cool. Totally unrelated. Yeah. But uh, we, we feel like we need to come out with another trailblazer game. <laughs> the, the blank, blank, blank trail instead. A different one. I'll just do another trail. Totally different. 
uh, not just another trail. It's going to be very interesting, totally different mechanics, very different. Oh, that'd be but cool. it'll be a trail. Do you have like a social media channel that people can follow? Like, and can, as you kind of update and say, Hey, here's some stuff that's coming out that they can follow along. Like, is there like a Facebook group or anything? We have a Facebook page for trailblazer. Okay. John Muir trail board game. Um, We're just kind of getting that active. Mostly I've been active on Instagram for a long time, but. And how do they follow you on Instagram? Do you have an, what's your Instagram handle? Mariposa games. Mariposa games. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Well, Dan, this has been awesome. I, I can't congratulate you enough. This is an incredible uh, outcome for your first game. Uh, and and I it sounds kind of corny to say dreams come true, right? But it kind of is like a dream come true, right? It's something that you think about when you, you know, through your life, say someday I'd love to do this, you know, yeah. and, and that someday's now. You've made it happen. It's, it's true. It does still feel kind of surreal. Yeah. Very surreal for the last month. And it still kind of feels funny. Oh, that's so cool. Anybody that wants to check out this game, I am including a link uh, to the Kickstarter page in the show notes, although the, the campaign's done. Uh, as you said, that there uh, will be some opportunities potentially for some late pledges there. So keep yes. your eye out on that. At the very least, check out the page because it's really cool to see all the stuff that uh, Dan's put into this. Dan, I want to wish you all the best in this coming year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Take you care. very much for the opportunity. Appreciate Cheers. it. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.